Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone, and welcome to the 61st edition of the Leader Post Rider Rumblings podcast. Uh, in, in commemoration of our 61st podcast, we salute the Rough Riders number 61 Canadian Football Hall of Famer, the great Ed McQuarters. A Rough Rider from 66 to 84 played a key role in the 66 Grey Cup win and uh, just a fantastic man. So Ed McQuarters, we salute you. Today we salute Murray McCormick, who is unavoidably with us again today. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Murray. And uh, we're very honoured and pleased to have the uh, wonderful Claire Hanna with us today of TSN CTV Sports. And uh, she talked to Dana White in Edmonton. That's how we're going to start, so, hey? Get yeah. right into it. What was Dana White like? I got to know. <laughs> okay, so so down to earth so humble like these things blew my mind there was an issue when he was doing the jay and dan um interview before ours apparently his like earpiece yeah. kept popping out it didn't fit and it was like a 10 minute delay and they had to like sort some stuff out he didn't care he was just like yeah no you guys take your time don't worry you know what i mean and he had like this almost like mob group with him like of wow. his handlers and his people and his whatever you know but we were talking and again, he came over to me and I just said, you know, whenever you feel ready to join me, you can. We're going to be doing an interview at the third TV timeout in the first quarter. And he came over and I was almost like, oh my gosh, we're going to have like 10 to 15 minutes together. Like, what are we going to talk about? And he was like talking about his son who played football and his daughter who played volleyball, which obviously I connected with. And then I was like, you know, would you ever take me as an MMA fighter? And he's like, I'm just going to say with your body type, maybe stick to volleyball. That was the big <laughs> message. He I was told wondering me. how volleyball came out, came up because you mentioned that. It's like, yeah. how, like, how did he know about your rich volleyball history? Well, he, he, we were talking about like athletes and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I could do this. Like I, I play volleyball. And he was like, oh, and then he started asking me questions. But um, it was cool because he was like, you know, I'm friends. Like he didn't drop this name, but we were talking about like Tom Brady. And he's like, yeah, I'm friends with the family. Cause he's a huge Patriots fan. He's like, yeah, you know, it's a great family. And I'm like, oh my gosh, are you friends with Giselle? <laughs> and then I was like, what did you think about him taking his kid off of the waterfall in Costa Rica? And he was like, well, he had to take her. He's so heavy. You know, he's got to commit. Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? No. Tom Brady? Okay, so Tom Brady's in Costa Rica and his daughter and him are at the top of a waterfall. And this video went viral last week. And his daughter and him are, are holding hands and they're like, okay, let's do it in three, two, one. And then Tom Brady jumps, but she hesitates and he yanks her. And it looks like he okay. just pulls her over this oh. cliff. So we talked about We're not that. on top of things. We're, we're still in 1962 okay. here. No, you guys. Anyways, I'm kind of going off. But what no, I want to say is he was so... Cool. I'm trying to. I I almost wanted to make a list of the things we talked about because I was like, oh, "This wow. is Dana White." Oh, the Nunes Cyborg. I'm not sure if you pay attention to the UFC. I kind of hard to. Didn't TSN. Cyborg win on the weekend? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Against um Felicia Spencer, who's this Canadian who was seven and zero before she got there. Anyways, but he is so good at like creating drama right he's yeah. a promoter and so we kind of talked a bit about that and i was like what you do is awesome he's like isn't it juicy i'm like it's amazing <laughs> so anyways he was just i was just he was so cool i felt like and then also awkward after the interview i always shake people's hands i shook his hand and i felt like we had gotten so close i hugged him like i went in for a big hug and it was really hard for me to get my arms around him but I was like, oh, I don't think that was awkward. Anyways, then he walked off, so I never saw him again. Just wow. so people know who he is, he's the president of UFC. Yeah, sorry. I didn't. That was your job to intro that. Yeah, mine too. I know who he is, yeah. Yeah. Dana well, that's White. our show Five for million Thank followers you. on Twitter. Let's just wow. throw that out there. I know. How, about, how many does he have? <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that's okay. I'm like, we're at like 0.1% or something. Man. 
That is so cool. Yeah, it was awesome. It was I, so I just neat. had to know. You know what? That is, you could the CFL could borrow a lot from what uh, UFC MMA do as far as promoting. Sports franchises in general are so paranoid about bulletin board material. Don't say anything that's going to rile up the opponent. UFC, they get it. He- they build everything up as a grudge match, and there's there's a compelling storyline behind the matches, and this, it seems that. The CFL goes out of its way to avoid that. Solomon Alamimian goes back to BC. Oh, no big deal. Um, Manny Arsenault plays against... Oh, no big deal. Just another game. How does that sell the product? Uh, Ultimate Fighting's got it right. Right, Burr? Sure. I just... I, you there's know, no hype. There's, there's it, no hype. It's a hypeless so. league. And whenever yeah. there, whenever there's a compelling but the angle, problem is, like... How player many player time- goes back to former site, former... Uh, destination oh no big i've done deal. so many of the guys going back to their former destination stories that have turned out to be nothing but cliche riddled and it's another game and it's going to be just this and this and blah 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 and solomon Allen, I mean, even miami guys are smart guys they know what's going on charleston houston last year when he charleston hughes when he played the stamps last year that i don't even get excited about it anymore he's going back to play i think you know aluminium showed that he was pretty pumped up to play on the second play when he had that wide open blitz to to drop uh, riley on saturday to talk a little bit of football and I think Arsenal is. I just Arsenal was, but they just don't say anything. So, but, but I don't know. Do what do you want them to Solomon say? Alamimian didn't want to go on TSN before the game, as I understand it. Yeah, there's because a little... he was he was it was just wasn't it was emotional for him. That's exactly why he should be no, on TSN. I think it was that's part of the that's part of the storyline. Yeah, You've was, got to do that interview. Think... And when TSN's paying the kind of money they're paying to the CFL, basically a, a partner and, and, and a lifeblood in many cases, you. You've got to do that interview. Yeah, I agree with you. They should do everything. They should do everything to help especially, us. But especially when they look at the, the troubles this league is having. Well, especially BC. Build, where's the buildup for a yeah. game? It's just another game, another Thursday, another Friday. Build up the game. Sell the personalities. Sell the hype. Sell some conflict. But Randy Ambrosi was pushing that earlier before he went on the Mexican World Tour of selling the CFL across league. He wanted us to tell the stories better. We got locker rooms open for one day a week. That's supposed to fight us with better access to players. They're supposed to be more accommodating by teams and most teams are pretty accommodating to get to know guys like time like i had more time with mike riley on uh, friday in toronto and bc than i had with any of the quarterbacks or the rough fighters this year so some teams get it and sometimes some teams just don't bother to do that mm-hmm. so i think you need buy-in and it sounds like we're all saying this though if you're going to kind of create some drama and create some hype you need buy-in from players and you need them to be on board with this, regardless if there's grudges and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. and sometimes I find when we do interviews, like, and maybe it's because we're in Regina and there's like a billion of us there every day. And maybe it's, ex- I, I imagine it's probably exhausting for the players. But at certain points, like whether it's on TSN, they need to kind of be on board with like, yeah, okay, let's make sure we get some more viewers and, and like be a bit dramatic and say something crazy well bc and bc is a place that needs to sell a four o'clock saturday game on an absolutely drop dead gorgeous bc afternoon like yeah i saw your instagrams beautiful day yeah and it wasn't even humid and they had that well they say it's an open roof they open the roof on the sun on the sky on the dome and i keep wondering is it a sunroof or just sort of maybe a little opening because it's not a very big opening for the roof I thought it was. Wait, it was, I know it collapsed a few years ago, but I thought they couldn't open it. No, they can't open it. Oh yeah, they put they spent one hundred and fifty million dollars okay. renovating it, too. and it's just a small roof. But and it's an old crowd, like I feel young, and a very green crowd. That was you look around and there's huge pockets of Rough Rider fans who all kind of uh, we can get a good weekend to go to Vancouver to have spend a weekend away and enjoy themselves. So it was a 
very green oriented crowd. So it was especially when John Ryan had that. Uh, I'm trying to think which was first punt or second punt, and they cheered it like crazy. And I thought well, that's wild. That's you can't get over there. Is well, that the crowd? I know. I know you probably can't see this, but you know what I mean. I got this from a girlfriend. Oh, How cool. cute is that? Anyways, yeah. I just got to show that crowd. That's a BC. <laughs> that's in BC. Well, no, it's and they've, they've closed <laughs> off the top. Por- they've told, they closed off the top portion of the stadium. So it's, they can only get about 20000 It's supposed to provide more of an intimacy because before. But I remember in the past when they closed off the top portion of the of the BC place, they'd open it when the riders got there. Really? The sales, the rider ticket sales were so strong and it hasn't happened in a long time. Well, I haven't noticed the top been open lately. So Speaking so, of openings, uh, William Powell had lots of room to run. Uh, <laughs> so everybody did. Yeah. <laughs> um, Claire, what did you make of that game? That just ceased to be interesting about midway through the first quarter. It was just so obvious what was going to happen to the BC Lions again. Yeah. A testament to the how well the Rough Riders played, but also an indicator of how truly hopeless the Lions seem to be. Well, I, did, I didn't go back too far in my stats checking, but it was the first game this year and maybe the only game for the Riders that they'll have where they had more rush, rushing yards than passing yards, and that's not normal for the CFL. Um, but he is 31 years old, so he's getting up there per se but his mind is so fantastic in terms of there was that on that 40 yard rushing touchdown he I thought he just hit a wall and I thought it was over and then all of a sudden he squirted out the side and boom he's in the end zone and it's just there's that patience there's maybe a gap doesn't open right in front of you but somehow he avoided getting tackled but still got the touchdown and I really want to know how you get that much patience as a running back to find, you know. I, I it's just, his vision. That's his whole key is he has a vision of no on running back, few running backs I've ever seen. And he also has the ability to stop and cut on a, on a dime. Like, kind of like Barry Sanders, not as close, not as good as Barry Sanders, but he has that ability to cut and get open. And that run, he did that. He saw that and he bobbled. But his vision, like Marcus Sigpin and these guys have talked about it, that he just has some, it's like said, your eyes go different directions because yeah. you manage to see the holes and he just manages to take advantage of that. And he's just, a, it was fun to watch him run. I think he's going to make a run for the league rushing title now, I think. I, I'd love a GoPro, you know, yeah. sometimes yeah. how they can like kind of, you can see like where they're looking to see his darting. I know the GoPro would probably not be like that, but I don't know. And he doesn't even have a visor that's black, hey? No, but also give the offensive line a lot of credit. Like yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they created some huge holes. Mind you, if BC's line doesn't deserve anything, that was like probably the worst. What an split. awful defensive line! And like Odell Willis was just non-existent. It's like they've quit, and it's kind of wonder. And you've never say that about teams, but we were back. Remember in in fifteen when the Riders were zero nine, it looked like they'd quit on Corey. And you hate to say that about pro because pros never quit; they really don't. Mm-hmm. But well, how don't. often did you see whether it's Dan Clark, especially Dakota Shepley? Thaddeus Coleman, I'll just name the entire offensive line, basically. And they're five or six yards downfield, still shoving guys on the William Powell eight-yard touchdown Mm -hmm. run. They're still shoving. As William Powell's crossing the goal line, Dan Clark is shoving the second line with whom he made contact on that play past the goal line. The O-line's like... They brutalized them. It's like a wave that comes, and there's like a whole bunch of toddlers, and the wave just takes them all Exactly. (laughs) But they shouldn't be... this tsunami that was just washing away all these Lions' alleged defensive linemen. And I hate... I don't hate to say it, but it shouldn't be doing that considering all the injuries. You just said Brandon Labatt's gone. Philip Blake's gone. Tacoba Cofield's gone. Darius Darius Bladick was gone. Bladick. 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 Was gone too. So all these starters, the guys with hundreds of, you know, tiling up hundreds of starts, and they've got Taron Vaughn stepping up, and Dakota Shepley, as I mentioned, is playing really well. Dan Clark, in his 100th game, had a 100th game for the ages. I think that was 
I think the best game I've ever seen him play. All that was missing was the touchdown catch. Yeah, yeah, that's, and he had that that's been BC. a good build. That's been a good venue. Didn't for he have that in BC? Yeah, that's right. So that was a good game for Dan and Crad, and good for him, and good for the offensive line. Interesting. The receivers didn't really light it up, but they didn't. Cody didn't really have to. Didn't yeah, really but, have to. But yeah, do you go in with a game plan to have your receivers light it up when that's working so much? And and their O line, I just I think that depth is so amazing, and it's a testament to how well-rounded it is. And, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, let's see what it's like when it's tested against a team like Hamilton. But I, I can't think remember it's really 11, good. I can't remember the Lions in 11 very well when they were 1-6. and six. Did everyone write them off? They were 1-6 before, but I think there had to be more of a foundation to build on the 1-16 because I said to There's nothing there. Is it's a good 1-6 team? It's, there's no good 1-6 well, teams, but there's no... Post-game, Farhan asked TJ Lee, is this the worst you've ever seen? And TJ Lee has been on that team for six years, and he said no comment. Yeah. Which is a comment. That's a comment. That's a comment. Uh, a, when you get manhandled on both sides, both lines of scrimmaged to that extent. Yeah. And you can, you can, when you look at the composition of the Rough Riders defensive line and the amount of money they spent on that line, okay, you can understand that. But what, as you, as but you they mentioned, spent what, some money on that line, though. For, you, I mean, they didn't spend much? Or did no, I'm saying money? that when you look at the money the Riders spent on that defensive line well, and mm-hmm. the caliber oh, of personnel, you can understand the, 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 that defensive line having its way with an offensive line. But when you look at the Riders' offensive line, and as you mentioned, the absences that they have, mm-hmm. and Dakota Shepley playing at the level he's playing so quickly in his career, the week before, uh, Braden Schramm playing the way yep. he did so quickly. The Lions have been decimated up front. And they're a mess. The Riders have been decimated up front, and they brutalize the Lions' defensive line. Do you think, though, this is a, uh, a case, I'm just going back to the BC Lions, of mismanagement in terms of you spent too much money on Mike Riley and you don't have enough money to spend no. other places? Or but, but where, then, do you get to the root of this issue? Because so many people in that preseason CFL poll had the Lions like pretty high mm-hmm. up there, and I... I don't. I don't know. I didn't put them high up there because I just thought, okay, you can't. You've got Mike Riley, but like, what else do you have around this pocket? But where is the issue? Where well, really is it? The issue is the offense line. But they spent money on Sink Chung. I think he's two hundred and fifty thousand. And there's when you look at that line, I can't remember the beginning. Of the season, those were name linemen at the beginning of the season. These were, these weren't guys they dragged off the street. There are some decent players, and then they just have it. It's got to be the coaching scheme. It's got to be who's ever coaching them. And then Mike Riley whose expertise, he takes an extra second if you watch him, and he can't do that with this line. That's his effectiveness. He takes a little bit more time to find the right guys. He can't do that because he's getting killed right off the bat and getting beaten up. But, yeah, I think it's uh, the Riders. When the Riders don't back, back to the Lions a little bit, the Riders won the season series already. Edmonton has already won the season series already. So, basically, the Lions are looking at the crossover. Yeah. And they're, not, they're not going to beat Calgary in the season they're, series. They're not going to beat Winnipeg in the season series. So, they've... Yeah. They've gone over the West. Unless they get a miracle. <laughs> so do we look at this 3-3 three and three record? Do we say, big deal, big stinking deals? Come show us something for real on Thursday night yeah, now. Yeah, I'm, I'm of that train of thought. Yeah. They haven't yeah. been tested by, yeah. or sorry, they haven't proven that well, they can rise to the occasion against a team that doesn't have a one in a billion record. Yeah, <laughs> I still think. And I, or an O in a billion record. Yeah, I, asked yeah. the, I asked the question, and I know that, but. They still beat them. And I think the big yep. thing, and Rob and I have touched, you, you've got to beat the teams you got to beat. If you don't beat them, you're in trouble. And the Riders have had a history of losing to teams. You, we talked about this a little bit, of losing to teams they should Montreal beat. Montreal last Montreal year. Montreal last yeah. year. And having, so going out and soundly beating those teams is something that's not, we're not discrediting that. But at the same token, they're three of the, the two of the worst looking teams you've ever seen mm-hmm. in the CFL. And they, do you put any weight on the fact that you can thump two teams at 
Maybe they couldn't be a U sports team. But I will say some of their losses this year. So let's see. Ottawa, three points. And then Hamilton in that first game was by one touchdown. And there was a lot of adversity that the Riders faced in that first yeah. game, right? The only blowout they really had was that Calgary game. And, you know, I don't think they came prepared. That was another short week, though. So here we have another short week. Maybe they've learned from that short week. No Jeremiah Masoli. Like, I, I think it's going to be a really we've been good here be- test. We've oh, been here absolutely. before. We've been here yeah. before. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> they did the same thing to Toronto and came out and laid an egg, literally laid an egg. Well, look at that Hamilton games. defense and yeah. uh, the way they played against Winnipeg. And Matt Nichols had only thrown one interception going into that game. And then it was, okay, I think I'll intercept this pass yeah. for Hamilton on uh, last mm-hmm. Friday night. So suddenly it was, yeah, Jeremiah Mazzoli wasn't playing for most of that game, but that defense really took care of a Bombers offense that was purring. I think they only scored nine points after Mazzoli got hurt, didn't so, they? So I, th- I think this Thursday is going to show us a lot about who the true Riders team are. Absolutely. Well, and that's what's intriguing about it. And uh, you know, now the Riders are on a mini roll coming into a home game. What is the true Riders team then? What, what are you looking for them to show? The fact that, that they can they can beat an upper echelon, an upper echelon they, team. Yeah, they looked so good this past weekend. But when you put maybe a bit more talent, do they crumble or do they still rise to the occasion? Like it's, yeah. I think a true athlete when they face pressure and adversity, um, they they still do they can control their own game and still do what they were doing, whether it's high or low. That's yeah. what I want to see. Just the same team, that think, same consistency. I think we saw growth in Cody Fajardo this weekend, though. I think he showed his he ran strategically. It's got to take slides. It's got to slide a little more. That hit he took to the head, that's the whole rider season. They're literally the whole rider season running on, standing on that one. So I need a couple of, he went out of bounds too. He laid the shoulder in a guy. And then he likes to do that because he's a competitor and he likes to hit people. But I think he's got to learn that he's got to slide, hook slide, get out of the way. Do, be- yeah, but can you just learn how to slide in one week? Because he says that's been his style his whole career. He's kind of always just like led with he his did shoulder. He in the second half. He started to slide a little bit more, I think, in a second. But still, I mean, but, with Jeremiah Mazzoli, it showed that you don't even have yeah, to be exactly. hit. Exactly. That's the sad part, yeah. And a, uh, so, I mean, the quarterback is going to be vulnerable, even if he's doing all the right things. Zach Calaro slid third offensive play of the season. Yeah. That didn't do him any good. Well, Darren Durant back when he tore his Achilles. Just yeah. stepped back and popped, went the Achilles. So and the year before, he got hit, and it wasn't even officially a play. Look at you guys. History, 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 history. Boom. We're, we're, we're history, basically. <laughs> my history only brought you back. in to modernize everything. Yeah, my history only goes back to stuff I remember, though. Rob's history goes back to way before things even happened. It, that, that explains the wardrobe. Yes. But. So. I don't know. I, it's 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 going to be an interesting week, and I'm 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 really interested interested to see how they respond because I keep going back to that Calgary game, and maybe it's unfair to focus on one game out of six, but that was the game where they really got tuned in, and that was the game where they were exposed. Now, how have they grown since that Calgary game? That to me is 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 really the, the most intriguing aspect of the game. Yeah, the Hamilton doesn't have. Uh, it's starting quarterback, but the Riders don't have the, the quarterback with whom they started the season either. Mm-hmm. No. So, okay, how does it, how do the Riders deal with the kind of pressure that uh, Jagera Davis especially and the Tiger Cats exerted on, uh, on, on Winnipeg? Presumably, they will try a lot of the same stuff, especially with facing a younger quarterback. How do the Riders deal with Jagera Davis? That, that, Hamilton defense under Orlando Steinauer that is so good. Well, I'm not going to modernize this so much here, but let's talk Please about do. the Wizard of Oz for a sec. Because, okay, here in these past three games, what I think the Riders have gotten a bit more of is confidence and courage, okay? They know they can win. They've 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 taught themselves that they can win, and I don't think they're looking about at, at this as bad teams. I think they're looking at, we just beat two teams that are desperate. Mm-hmm. They are desperate, and they beat them. So 
yes, they're going into a strong Hamilton game, but mentally, I think, okay, this is a good place for them to be. You know, they're three and three. They're not like grinding at the bottom. They're, they're, yeah, they're second in the second bottom in the West, but I think that confidence can go a long way. And for them to be one and three, and then you're at that one and three point, and it just, it looks like a season, okay, that, that could just spiral out of control. And I think it's a testament to the Rough Riders that they took advantage of the opportunities before them. I like the way Craig Dickinson has handled things. I like the way Craig Dickinson has handled things in general. And I think that is one of the things that's really a young, or not a young coach, but a first-year head coach. Team starts off one and three, loses starting quarterback, third play of the season. You've thrown a lot of obstacles in front mm-hmm. of Craig Dickinson. Even like, think and they're, now they're three and three coming home. Brett Lowther too. Yeah. Him yeah. being out is like a big, and I think that showed even this past weekend with Gabriel Ferrero, special teams not doing so hot, even just with his tackling and stuff. But yeah. I like the way <laughs> attempted tackling. Yeah, I, like the yeah. way, I know. I was like, I like how Craig something. and Jason Shriver set the tone on Saturday. The first two plays, smash him in the mouth. Like Edom comes there, how Herb gets a hurry on Riley. Element even gets the sack and boom. And you can tell there's a team that's desperate with no heart. And they knocked the heart right out of one of the first two plays. And that, the rest of the game was over. You know, it gets a field goal and Josh Bartel had that punt. But it still was uh, one of those things that they set the tone right off. And I wonder if you can do that maybe with the Hamilton team. I don't know if they can do the same with Hamilton. But if they get after Dane Evans, who I'm assuming is going to be the starting quarterback, unless it's David Watford. And then again, David, I wonder if they brought What's him David, in. Rob, David Watford's passing percentage in university. It was about 54. Yeah. And in the, the year that he played the most, he threw eight touchdown passes and 50 interceptions. Wait, yeah. but were you, you going to go scandalous? You think they brought him in to learn the I writer's think there's playbook? Intel. There's, I think there's, there's got to be some intel. He hasn't been around for a while, though. Well, it's not, he's not that far removed from it. No. Hey, David, tell us what the Rough Riders have in their uh, arsenal. Well, I think but, they also have six games of film, too. <laughs> they yes. have Arsenal in their arsenal. Yeah. arsenal. <laughs> Speaking of Arsenal, so he's had two catches in the last two games, keeping his streak alive. Do you think that's his role, keeping the streak alive? <laughs> Why, God, move him inside. Let him waggle a bit. That's, I said to them when they talked about when I saw him, they moved him wide. Well, receiver. said, all, you, out there? all you've ever done is waggle. He says, in your whole time, he says, oh, I've been, he said, when I first came up here wide receiver, but he's been gone from a running start. But who does he replace? Moore? Roosevelt? No, you just, you just flip-flop the position. No, yeah. Corey Watson played well yeah. in BC, but I still think, Corey As Manny gets more comfortable with things, move him inside. Corey Watson has, right. is, is, is experienced playing outside. Let's see what Manny can do with a waggle. That's, been, yeah. th- that's Manny Arsenal. Well, there's another guy too, Micah Johnson. I know he's doing things, still no, none of the sacks. And that's really as his forte as a defensive tackle is getting sacks. Mm-hmm. So sacks, Zach has sacks. <laughs> it's his, I, I'm sure it sucks for him to not have his stats there, yeah. but like he is doing so much. And is that is that fulfilling enough for him as a defensive tackle who was second I, in the league last I year? I would think it's not. I, I would think it's not too, but I feel like at the same time, like he's an experienced CFL player, you got to dig deep and realize what you're doing for the team is bigger than on the stat sheet. Mm, Which has been yeah. pretty much their motto mm, this season. You didn't like that. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're not paying... They're, they're not, not paying, paying him 250000 for morale. <laughs> no, but I'm not saying morale. I'm just saying like he's drawing doubles and things I know like he's that. Doing, okay. And I'm not being a little fishy. I think I know he's doing a lot of stuff. And Charleston Hughes, you know, they said to Zach, what happened to Charleston Hughes? He says, what happens when a guy gets three sacks against you? I says, well, you block him. He says, and that's what they did. They concentrated on Charleston Hughes. And as we've been saying, the rest of the defensive line had to step up and did very nicely. Yeah, you, there's yeah. no ground for maligning Micah Johnson or anybody on that defensive line when they no, pretty they, much they own the whatever it is that is that comprises the Lions offensive line because that yeah. was just total, that was inhumane, what the Riders did to the Lions on both lines of scrimmage. 
What do you What do you think of Shaq Evans' season so far? Is he Is he coming to be the guy that we expected last year? We kept making fun of the fact he could catch lots of ball, and I know he came close, but he's still going to get touchdown. And we don't have room to time to explain all the touchdowns he may have not. Had. Well, he um, he should have made a block on the hitch screen to Kyron Moore. Instead, okay. that didn't happen. Second and two became a special team situation. Uh, but as, that nitpicking aside, you look at the year that that Shaq Evans has had, averaging close to twenty yards a catch. Yeah. And and being a productive player near the end zone, that's he's 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 been one of the top five receivers in the league mm-hmm. this year. I did not think that was going to happen, yeah. and I will uh, happily concede that I'm wrong. Claire, I think he's um he was inconsistent last year. I think there's still some inconsistency. We even see it in practice sometimes. He'll make a big catch and then he'll just drop it when it's right at his numbers. I think he's just slowly ironing out his own kinks, but. He's obviously having a great year, and you can see yeah. that if he can iron those kinks out, he can be an amazing player. Can you imagine the Red Blacks let Lucius Purifoy just walk away? Right? I that, think that's know? so fascinating. He obviously just didn't he didn't get along with that team. He said he didn't. I was reading again. Didn't get along with the defensive yeah. coordinator a little bit. And that sometimes there was rumors that he's a bit of a locker room guy, can be a bit of a disruption. But I've not seen anything no. of that in him. And he, he he was pretty open about that last year, though. He said yeah. he bumped heads with that team, but yeah. he. He looks like the best teammate with this team. Yeah, maybe like he they resigned hustles. him. They resigned him. Him and Needham, they both resigned them quickly. And, they, and that was when Chris Jones was here. And I wonder if they kind of went, oh, Chris Jones is gone. What's going to happen to us? And I think it's Shivers is the, the position there that's helping about. I, I really didn't think Purify was that good of a returner. And that's because I don't remember seeing him return. But boy, he's. He's got speed. He's got moves. He's got uh, elusiveness. He does everything. He's that a- touchdown was coming. If you look at it, I mean, he he. Prior to that, he'd had ten out of the thirty-one kickoff returns he's or thirty-two kickoff returns he's had with the Rough Riders. Eleven of them have been for thirty-plus yards. He's yeah. had five of them, five in the forties, one in the sixties, and now one in the eighties. So you could see that coming. He was just a tackler away from breaking one, and then against BC, if you look at it, that the. The special teams and the defense beat the Riders' offense to the punch on Saturday. Special teams scored the touchdown. Defense hemmed in the hemmed in the Lions and ends up with a safety touch. It was the offense that that uh, that needed some time to get, actually get a touchdown to really yeah. force the issue. They got the field goal early from Ferraro, but it's the, the the most emphatic plays were made by the defense and the special teams before the offense got rolling. They yeah. just had the Lions on their heels from the start. Let's have some fun. MVP. Wait, we're not having fun. <laughs> after six games, MVP, most outstanding player for the Rams. Charleston Hughes. I was going to say Cody Fajardo. Yeah, I was going to say Cody F- Charleston Hughes. Actually, that's <laughs> wait, a good, that's... You, you thought you just kind of played us there. Yeah. That's a good you debate, played us. though. Yeah. Who's the MVP so far? That I just a really I, good debate. I just think okay, I'm comparing the offense to last year. Look at what yeah. Cody Fajardo's done in his let's call it rookie starting season. He had one bad game. He has been so steady. Mentally, he like he just he's so good. I think he's so good. And what predicament would the Riders have been in had he okay. not been what he's what he's turned I know. out to be? They would not. They're be... they're Owen. They're we're talking about them as we're talking about the Argos and the BC. Yeah. The BC Lions. Yeah. I agree. That's funny. With all the quarterbacks going down, who'd have thought that this weekend's game would be Dane Evans versus Cody Fajardo? Yeah. And what that's going to be, and Cody Fajardo's the decisive leader in that in that game has hold the edge. I think Evans started one game last year. I think he started one. He threw. He said some passes. I don't know how he would. I don't believe that. He Wait, did. like quarterback? Yeah, I seem. I thought it was Jeremiah Mazzoli because he had that huge streak. Remember, yeah. he was like on pace for breaking yeah. 300 well, yards got, until like week seven. Yeah, 
Maybe I read that wrong. I just thought I read that in a story. Uh, he did. doesn't. I mean, they, 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 he didn't do virtually anything. No. Against Winnipeg, he basically didn't get them in, in a lot of trouble. But that's yep. that's doing a lot. That, that was, that's that, that's yeah. saying something, yeah. though. He didn't get them in trouble. You know what he did? He did what Darian Durant did in Week Two against BC and in, in two thousand and eight when they made the when they made the quarterback change at halftime. Marcus Crandall got hurt. Stephen Jobs was ineffective. Darian Durant came in. Didn't do much except not get the team in trouble in that first appearance. And that's yep. pretty much what Dane Evans did for the for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And, and they let that defense carry the day. Now, given a week of prep with the with the a longer week than the Riders are going to have of preparation with the first team offense, we'll get a better indication of what he's all about. But that defense will be tough to play. So against. BC basically played a zone again on Saturday. And what did Cordy do? He threw underneath. And I think that's a sign of his growing, his maturity. He's not going to force the long passes and that kind of thing. And he showed some some pretty good strive and pose. Pose? No. Poise. 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 Sorry. It's easier to think. It was my delete back key. <laughs> but I think he showed that kind of much. He's growing as a quarterback, but he doesn't have to do that kind of stuff. So maybe that's a sign of uh, growth from him as a quarterback. And... He's a fun interview. I was going to say, he's... Yeah. He seems like such a great guy. Just, he's very faith-based. Mm-hmm. I think we all have yeah. to understand that. And this line, he said, sprinkle a little Jesus over that. Yeah, that passes. was so cute. Kind of all went, okay. But and that, that's not nothing. It's, he can be yeah, faith-based. Yeah, yeah. If I was my job depended on a lot of life and a lot of luck, I'd probably have beach reading of a higher power. <laughs> it will protect me too. But he's uh, very... And it's fun. And he kind of likes talking to us. And he yeah. likes to be out there. But He's open too. Like he... Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's he the talks. alarm. We're done. Thank you. It's, it's starting late. Yeah, he he talks. It is. He's open about his personal life too. You know, he talks about his wife and missing her and making sure he gets there on bye weeks and she comes here or whatever. But just freshly married. I know you haven't been married yet. There's something about that first year. It's just. I guess I'm just saying, like he is not afraid to tell us about. And when we ask the questions, everybody always kind of dodges the tough ones. But I truly find he's really open and tries to give us the most honest answer without putting his teammates under the bus. I think back to Friday night and I was interviewing Craig Dickinson about the Mike Shepard firing and trying to find out what happened. And people are saying that Craig Dickinson was running in circles and speaking, but I thought he answered the questions. I thought Craig. he did a good yeah. job of that. There's a chemistry problems. They did it for the good of the team and had a change and we made the change now. So people are saying, was there, I think just Craig Dickinson doing the thing is a problem with the players. I think he's Craig Dickinson listened to the players. Whatever Mike Shepard does did not go in, not going well with that defensive line. So I decided, okay, we got to cut bait and let him go. And Mick Shepard's a great guy. He's a decent guy. He's got a family. He's been living in Regina, and I'm not saying he's and not. him and Craig Dickinson are really good friends. They're good friends. That's like they, tough they, for Craig. So it's a tough, and that shows a rookie coach. And mm-hmm. listen to your players. Like I wonder if the previous regime, he would have said, no, I'm going to listen to my coaches, and we'll get rid of the players. No, Craig's saying, no, I'm going to listen to the players, because that's maybe the special teams. You have to be more open and more willing to accept ideas from special teams guys. I wonder. Yeah. I don't know. But it just shows – uh, a poise and maturity from Craig that I'm going to listen to my players because my players, they may not like the style of this coach. Well, I remember last yeah. year I was chatting with Craig. I, Craig Dickinson and Mike Shepard walked by me after practice. And uh, Craig said... You were at a practice? Sorry. The okay. annual practice I attended. And Craig said, um, you know who you should, you should put in your nice people who deserve a plug section? You should put Mike Shepard. Mike Shepard belongs in there. Really? So I put Mike Shepard in there and had some fun with it. It was Craig Dickinson giving... Giving a shout, asking me to give a shout out to Mike Shepard for being a nice person. So that's indicative of how Craig mm-hmm. Dickinson perceives. Well, Mike he was Shepard. he was the energy guy under Chris Jones. You go to practice and he'd just be yelling and screaming and running around because Chris believed you have to coach energy. You don't just don't just get it. And so he didn't do that as much here. But I think 
the rumors he's a yeller and a screamer and sometimes that just wears on the guys sometimes mm-hmm. you just you can't yell at them all the time you have to deal with them and you have to like i think be a little more uh sedate or more relaxed and deal with that stuff but well, defense, special teams coaches have been living for years yelling at guys. We bring so. we bring, bring Claire in for energy. That's true, too. Yeah. But, so. Okay, one thing I'm going to say, too, is everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of people thought Craig Dickinson is such a nice guy. Does that translate to being a good coach? But I think this indicates that he's not afraid to make a tough, mean, let's call mm-hmm. it, decision and let a guy go that he obviously respects really well because it's for the better of the team. So mm-hmm. I think we need to look at this as – yeah, he's nice, but he still, you know, doesn't shy away from the tough decisions. I think decisions. people just aren't willing to listen, believe that coaches actually tell the truth. A coach will actually tell the truth on a regular basis. Like, I still get shocked when he tells his injury information. I yeah. go, I go, huh, okay. Because yeah. no one tells that. He's, he's just they, been very honest and very forthcoming. Yeah. So that's why I said when people were jumping all over him saying, oh, all this stuff, he was just spinning circles and stuff, and, it, you know, it was spin. I was going, oh, no, that's not Craig. It was no, no spin. I don't think there was. And is there something more... There's always another story behind the story. Mm-hmm. And one day we may find out that something was going on. Just like one day we may find out who the 13th man was in 2009. I'll be long gone before that ever happens. Or I'll be- well, you've got to know by November because I put yeah. you down for a story. Yeah, no. <laughs> Good, lucky me. 10-year flashback. Yeah, 10 years. Flat 10 years, eh? Really? Is that long ago? But, you know, I think if you, if you look at Craig Dickinson and the way he's he's handled the media, people say, well, you're you know the media, who cares about people, how people handle the media? And maybe that's a valid comment, but we're the conduit in a lot of cases to the to the fan base. This mm-hmm. this fan base that has a voracious appetite for all things Rough Riders. You're talking to the fans via the media. Ken Miller got that. Other coaches in rider history have gotten that. Some have been absolutely oblivious oblivious or indifferent to it. But that's what Craig Dickinson understands. He's talking to the fans who pay his salary, which is not inconsiderable. And that's the that's the way a head coach, especially in this market, should conduct yeah. himself. Craig Dickinson's been great. Well, it's I just agree. like even works with the quarterback position. If you're, I've always said, if your quarterback is not going to sell the team, you don't have the right quarterback. And I really think, and regardless of how well they play, you've got to be the guy that's going to be the face of the team. Before Craig, Dick, it wasn't a face of this team. Zach Claris doesn't, regardless of what he wants, he doesn't want to be that. And that's, that's he's allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't think you should do that. That's his prerogative. But that's, but he's it, living his truth, you guys. Yeah. Let, let him live his truth. That's who yeah. he is. He doesn't want to be the face. But that's who you he is. Be, you got to be the face. You got to sell tickets. You got to sell a team. When we ask the questions of react to Charleston Hughes's thing, he's a guy like Brendan Labatt's guys was stood up for many, many years answering the tough questions of reacting for the speaking on behalf of the team. And no one has, we haven't had that at this team for quite a while. I, I don't know if Cody hasn't had to respond to anything like that. He has other than the adversities he's faced a little bit as a quarterback, but we'll see. They need someone to stand up. And I think uh, right now, Craig Dickinson's kind of the face of the team with Cody in it's the background. Come, like you look at Cody Fajardo <laughs> and the way he handled that Calgary game and he put it on himself. Yeah. And it's because quarterbacks do increasingly, but not only that, he, he, he spelled out what Calgary did to him and how he had to deal with it. And then he went out and did what he had to do to deal with a defense that that tried to play against him the way Calgary had. Mm -hmm. He told us what the problem was. He put it on himself. And then he went out and did it. And that's a leader. One more thing is, though, you guys, like, yeah, you need a face, but it's got to be authentic and it's got to grow naturally. I can't think, I don't think you can just say, hey, buddy, it's time. You got to step it up. So-and-so isn't coming back or whatever. You've got to be the face of the team and then just expect it to happen overnight. Like, it's got to grow naturally. I I don't know if it happened immediately overnight with Darian Durant, you know, just grows naturally. pretty quickly. Well, Mike Riley's the guy that stands out for me because he's always been, even on Friday, like, 
he's getting his the yeah. living heck kick out of him every game, and he stood there and answered every question I could think of for 15 minutes. But you can't force it. I remember when I covered the Regina Pats once upon a time, and there was a coach who thought that a player should be the captain of the team and the voice of the team. He thought this player was respected by the entire dressing room. Guess what? He wasn't. He wasn't cut out to be a captain, and he wasn't cut out to even be a top six forward. But the coach liked this player, and he kept trying to force it on him, and it just did not sell well with the with the dressing room, and ultimately it, it affected the team's performance. You can't say simply because, A, you're the, the quarterback and you're the acknowledged leader that you've, you've got to be this way. Some people don't have it in them. Mm-hmm. And Cody Fajardo seems to have it in them. Zach Kalaros, when he was in Hamilton put a lot of that on his shoulders and performed very well for, he took the Hamilton Tiger Cats to a great cup in 2014 and probably would have gotten there again in 2015, would have been the league's most outstanding player. He can handle being a quarterback in this league mm-hmm. and he's used to the scrutiny. The scrutiny here seemed to be a bit, a bit of a different issue, but it just wasn't a, right from the outset last year, it was just a difficult year for well, him. I think, I wonder if the Chris Jones was, really wasn't the, the right fit, the two of them, the Chris Jones style of really have, you don't tell anybody anything. You know, you just, mm-hmm. you don't open Like up. when they wouldn't even know who was starting, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know. Even trying to tell stories about the players who are very reluctant to open up about their lives yeah. and mm-hmm. stuff. And now you're seeing more of these uh, features pieces on the players talking about their backgrounds and thing. I don't know if they were quite as comfortable opening up about that as they might with under Craig. And Craig encourages that. And the writers are sort of encouraging more access. Well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's never enough, but we always But that. Is the big question this week, is Zach back? No, the other Zach Claris. Do we need to go there? Or do well, we just... But as of recording this podcast, we don't know whether he is he's yeah. eligible to practice this week if they want to bring him off the six-game injured list after. Yeah, after but Hamilton. If you, our situation here is the Rough Riders are about to begin practice, and we, Claire is about to leave for practice, as is Murray. And uh, and no Simone Lawrence, which I guess no is Simone. We fairness. don't we don't know what the Claro situation is mm-hmm. going to be for this week, so we really can't we we, yeah. we can't really go into that one because we're just time no wise, comment. We're, hey, time no wise, comment. we're just in a we're in a position where we can't really. I I think it would be folly to bring him back earlier at all. That's but that's been documented. But as far as what the event the events of the day might be, we don't yet. Know. But Simone Lawrence will not be there. We know that for yeah. sure, and so. Based on how long that all took to work out, I guess the writers gained something from the what happened to them as they don't have to face. As Dickinson argue. said, the timing was just right. Yeah, she absolutely sure didn't hurt them against Winnipeg, though, did it? Mm. No, you know that that defense was just all over them. It's a great good. Hamilton's so. got a bit of tradition of defenses when they got good teams back yeah. in the days, back in the good back old in days. days, long before Claire was born and when Murray and I were in high school. Yeah, so. I remember <laughs> when Ronnie took over them. They had a Great defense. They just needed some Joe Monsford. What an amazing defense. And they had, they had Danny Mack as his quarterback then, wasn't it? Absolutely. And they went on and won a great cup under Ronnie. Claire, anything you'd like to add about MMA or uh-huh. about volleyball or about football? Oh, no, you guys. You can just follow the Instagram to f- see all that, you know. You're like the most, of all my Instagram follow, people I follow, you're like the most active. You just work at it really hard. Maybe you could follow your Instagram. Oh, gosh, handle. it used to be even better. It used to be even more juicy, you know, like way more bugs and way more cucumbers and, you know, or <laughs> oh, no yeah. eggplants. You can never remember? have enough bugs on I can't figure out how you I've guys a, write I've, words on your. I'm a good plant. I'm a good gardener and not a good. I can't you guys get to write words on your Instagram accounts. That kind of, you have to show me that oh, one day. Oh, yeah. We'll have to go through yeah. a bit of a yeah. tutorial. I mean, yeah. your, your tropical vacation is just like I'm seeing all these things from like jungles with on Instagram. It's just, wow. How do you do that? Yeah, that's so well, you, cool. First of all, you buy a ticket and you go to Bali. That's how you yeah. do it. Yeah. 
Oh, really? Okay. Well, Rob, <laughs> Rob will buy a ticket and go watch Heist, Heist with the wrestling. High-impact wrestling. That's about as exotic as I get. So. I think but not the my, UFC. Final, my final <laughs> thoughts is the Tiger Cats game is the first really big test. They're all big tests. Mm-hmm. It's a really and big test. There's a stretch coming up now, too. Yeah, but they can play two games and then they're on another bye week. You know, two games they got Montreal and Montreal, as we can see, have been really good as of, as of late with under the leadership of former riders. Yeah. And uh, Vag, right? Vernon mm-hmm. Adams Jr., right? Yep. That's what they're calling him. Are they really? Yep, Vag. Really? Okay, that's a good one. I didn't know that. <laughs> Murray, read the read the sign. Well, after that Please. one, I got to have to follow that one. <laughs> if you enjoy, sorry. Okay, take two. Extra take two. If you enjoy the podcast. Please leave a review and a five-star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob at rvanstone at postmedia.com and we'll read it on the show. You can also follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Vanstone or me at MurrayLP or Claire at... Clahanna, C-L-A-H-A-N-N-A. And that's... A much more interesting uh, Hang, yeah. social media follow than Murray and I, <laughs> as you sure. should probably gather from this podcast. Uh, Claire, thank you once again for being such a uh, uh, so kind as to join us. Thanks. Uh, Murray, thanks. Uh, Do we end on a dab? Remember, I taught you guys how to dab last year. Ready? One, oh, two, three. What's a dab? Oh, that. We yeah, there we go. The dab. The dab. I heard that's popular. We're not cool at all, Murr. No, we're not. We are, no, you and I are not you're cool. You're not cool at all. I'm rocking. I know how to be cool. Claire is a paragon of cool. I mean, we're just here. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to get off the podcast so I can listen to some Glenn Miller records. Yeah. And uh, I like Glorious Sons. There's a plug for them. I really like Glorious Sons. The Glorious Sons. Gotcha. I, I'm going to go with Jamie XX, okay? What uh-huh. is that? Yeah, huh? just, just go Google him, okay? He's good. Okay. All right. We'll try that. We're, s- we're so uncool. I heard you're, something. You're a, you're uncool. I'm cool. I'm like the other day. I heard like <laughs> kind of a top twenty list of musical artists. Are we still running? I, this? I, I, Is this yeah. still going? Okay. I hadn't heard of any of these people. <laughs> I don't know who they are. I'm so obsolete. Well, have you heard Claire the Beatles? Is, absolutely. Okay, good. Claire talking. mentioned Bugs earlier. Now we're talking about Beatles. Okay. Anyway, all right. We, we have go. to go. It's eleven twenty-five a.m. Regina time. For Murray, for Claire Hanna, thanks again. I'm Rob, and I apologize for that tangent. And we'll do this again next week. If thanks you'll for have having us. me. Our pleasure. Yeah, Take welcome. care, Come Claire. Again.